So I am a middle school principal. How many of you, when you reflect back on your, your K through 12 years, actually look back and go, middle school was my favorite time of the year? That's what I thought. I got one. Okay, good. I appreciate that. No hard feelings. I get it. I get it. it we always joke because when you people your age or um, a little older, they come back and they visit their schools. They go to the high school and talk to their high school teacher or their elementary teacher, but nobody comes visit their middle school teachers. They're lonely because nobody likes, but let me just kind of, I get it. I don't know if you realize this, but your middle school years, your, there was more change physically, emotionally, socially, mentally, and probably even spiritually than any other time in your life other than when you were born. You just think about how awkward your life probably was in middle school, trying to fit in, figuring out where you fit in, who you were going to be with, who you were going to hang out, lots of changes physically, and, and it's just, it's a tough time. And so when we look back, it's not a time we go, mm, that, was, that was just a great time. In fact, most of you probably have pictures of middle school that you'd like to hide or delete, uh, because you're like, oh, that was pretty, that was embarrassing. I don't know why I wore that or did my hair that way or whatever. Um, so middle school is a tough time because of all the change. And change itself is tough. It, it is. In fact, change can bring anxiety and stress, which is why I was excited to be able to have the last characteristic of God when we talk about faithfulness. Because in faithfulness, that means there's not change. So let's take a look. I know you guys have been studying uh, this Exodus 34, 6 through 7. So I'm just, I'm going to just start us out by reading. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. In faithfulness. Keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving inequity and transgression and sin. But who... Will, be, will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the inequity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. Faithfulness. The word faithfulness, actually the Greek word is emet, E-M-E-T, emet. And it really just means truth or faith, faithful. An interesting piece that you may or may not know is that there is a Hebrew expression that we use all the time. It means very similar. It's called Amen. We typically end our prayers with amen, which means truth. So when you are finishing a prayer and you say amen, you are telling God this is truth. What I am saying is true. But I have to reflect in my own life sometimes, is what I'm saying to God truly truth? I don't know how much time you spent in the, in the Psalms, the books of Psalms. There's 150 of them, and there's a lot of passion in those books. A lot of heart in each of those authors. And you will find passions of, of anger, frustration, loneliness. And it's amazing what they express to God that so often we feel like, I can't do that because I know God is supposed to you know, take care of me and everything and everything's supposed to be great. But these authors are telling us their prayers to God, their prayers of praise actually often begin with, with, with being honest with what they're feeling and what they're going through. 
Yeah, there's a lot of psalms in there that are praise and excited and heart of who God is and loving God, but there's also a piece of being true to who they, what their feelings are and what, is, what they're going through and going to God with that truth. And so one of the things that we can do because we understand God is faithful is that we can trust in who God is. And God is not going to change. And one of my favorite illustrations is, is, is the illustration of the sun. Because the sun is, is, a, is a ball of heat. And you know, I, I, didn't, I didn't study that in, in school. We don't have to study that and know how hot it is. But some of you may know the, the exact how hot it is. But, you know, we've never truly ever been to the sun. We, we know that because we have no way to get to the sun. And even if we had invented a way to be able to get to the sun, we would get to a certain distance from the sun, and that craft that we are we're riding in would disintegrate. We, we, it doesn't, it's, can't be protected from the heat. It's going to just disintegrate in a ball of flame and everything inside of it. Now, if some way, at some time, we were able to create or invent or find some material that we could actually go to to get to the sun, it would have to be something pretty special to be able to get into the sun to be able to stand that heat. But at this point, there is nothing that we have to be able to explore the sun. Our other option is this. Our other option is the hope that maybe for, for, for a short time, the sun could change the very essence of what it is and maybe stop the heat so that we could explore it. However, if the sun did that, everything on earth would die. The sun doesn't have a, 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 a desire to kill, what, kill us because we get too close. The sun is designed to give life. But it cannot change because if it changes, then life here on earth ceases to exist. God is a God of eternity that cannot be changed. He can trust it to be the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. His very essence cannot change. He can't change it because of the circumstances around. It's very interesting that you'll see often, quite frequently, actually lately for me, these people who like to do these moments on TikTok or Instagram and they want to say, hey, if God is real and he is all powerful and he is all good, then how does evil exist? And they'll say, well, if evil exists, then God cannot be all powerful and all good. And so therefore, because there is evil, there must not be an all powerful, all good God. So God must not exist. And they drop the mic, they walk away, and the, the video ends. And, and, and if you don't know a lot, it can be easily to be, to be led. To that, that's, that's true. I mean, God, there's evil, and there's God. There's no way. God says he's good, he's all-powerful, so why can't he stop evil? Well, first off, if we want to get deep in philosophical, their whole argument that there is evil and good is on a basis that someplace we have determined what good is. What is good? Who determines what is good? If there's not a God that has to determine good, then I myself get to determine what is good. And no matter how evil something may be, I could myself say, no, that's good, because there's nothing out there that says that it's evil. I get to determine what is evil and what is good. And so everything can be good. So in that essence, by they, they saying that there is evil and good, they have said there's something out there that creates a standard for goodness and evil. 
So there's got to be something that has created good and, and evil. Not created, but has made a standard to, to help us identify the difference between the two. So, so if there is a God and there's a God that is good, that he is faithfully good, that we can trust, how come there is evil in the world? Well, you know, it, it, there's several reasons behind that. I can't get real deep into it in a 20-minute in conversation here, but, but just, here's something that's kind of interesting. So today, just today, I was leaving my house at 7 o'clock. I'm just going to leave at 7 o'clock. And I just want to share something that happened at five minutes before 7. So as a middle school principal, we, our middle school team's playing Edgewood. It's a middle school that's down the road here. And I get a call five minutes before 7 from our, uh, our security officer and says, hey, there is a kid that is down on the football field right now who they are trying to revive. I'm like, okay. And I'm thinking, first, it's one of our kids. And they says, no, it's one of the students from the other team. I'm like, man, what, 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 let me know what's happening. Calls him back 10 minutes later while I'm on my way here, and he says it is a parent. A parent one of the kids got hurt, took him to the sideline, and as his parent was coming down the sideline, she had a heart attack, and her heart stopped, and they were trying to revive her, and they got her in the ambulance. The good news is that they did revive her. But that was, you know, you're like, okay, so why that? Here's also something that's really interesting because as I'm preparing for this and I'm thinking about a God that is good and there's evil in this world, <laughs> I get this text, 709. I get this text that says, well, hello, Eric. And then the next thing says, respond. I don't know who this phone number is. Their next one says, I know where you live. Like, okay. I'm like, what is going on? And then they give the address of the place I lived three years ago. So I'm like, okay, you don't know that well. But, uh, you know, when I'm thinking about, I was just talking about, you know, as I'm preparing this, I'm talking about evil. And so from my mind, I'm going, oh, man, I'm, I'm leaving my house. My wife's all alone at home. This person's texting me saying they know where I live. I'm like, so I, I don't know, you know, what, but, but I think about the evil that's in the world. And maybe some of you have been, have been victims or experienced that evil. Uh, whether it's abuse or, or anger towards you or whatever it may be, and we can go to any extreme we want, but we go, why does that evil exist? Why does that happen? Why doesn't God step in and just stop it from happening? Well, first off, God has restrained himself and his all power by allowing us to have free will. He's decided that we have free will because without free will, then we're just robots. We're, we're just beasts like anything else. We have to obey whatever God says and do whatever we want. And there's not true. If you, if you have somebody you are so controlling in your life, then you are not truly a friend and you're not truly somebody who has a relationship with them. And God says, I want a deep, intimate relationship with everybody here. And so he had to give us that opportunity to, to make that choice. If we have the choice to have a relationship, then we have a choice to decide what is good, to do what is good and do what is evil. And so by allowing that choice, the evil has entered into the world, and people sometimes choose evil. And so evil things do happen. And with the fall, man, there are things that happen. You know, why, does, why do people have cancer? Part of the fall. There's things, you know, sometimes we want to blame and put all the blame on things happening on God. And God says, that's not, always, that's not the case. 
And so when we look at the evil that is under the world, first off, we know that sometimes it's just us and the things, the choices we made. He's given us his word, says, if you would follow my word, then there wouldn't be evil in the world. But we have a choice to follow or not. And we make decisions, even, even really good people make decisions not to follow his word. And we make poor choices. And there are consequences for that. There are consequences. I mean, somebody who, somebody who, um, you know, the Bible tells us, don't get drunk. But we decide we were going to go to a party, we get drunk, we get in the car, we drive a car, and we get in an accident. And people want to blame that on God for evil in the world, but it was a choice that we made when we disobeyed what he said in the first place. It's not that he made us get in an accident, it's the choices that we made. And so, yes, there is evil in the world, and so the problem is, how is God a good God? Here's another example. Let's think about gravity. God put gravity into place, right? Gravity can be a good thing, but some, for some people, gravity is not a good thing. You know, they're a little klutzy. They fall a little too often, you know, and maybe you can relate. Maybe you know somebody that's like that. But if every time somebody would fall, so when several years back, one of our students at our middle school, he was on the back of a scooter, he fell, he hit his head, and because of that, he ended up dying from that accident. So should God have eliminated gravity for that short a time so that student would be still alive today? Does God have to change his laws of nature and things that he put in place so that things don't, bad things don't happen? It's, it's one of those things where, where I can't tell you why he sometimes steps in and doesn't step in. I, I don't know that. But that's where we go to the fact, we go to our word and says, God is faithful. He is somebody that can be trusted. And what he is most faithful for is being good. God is good. And it's hard to understand goodness sometimes when we look at some of the evil that's happened in the world or things that have happened to us. But maybe sometimes we just have to also think about how have we defined good? And, I'm, and this is come from personal to me. You know, when I think good, I'm thinking things are going well. Relationships are good. There's not a lot of conflict. You know, I, I have to, my bills are all getting paid. You know, there's nothing's breaking down. Life's good. Get to go on vacation. Life's good. And maybe for you, life's good. Well, you know, hey, I got the classes I was trying to get into. Uh, this class is pretty easy. I don't have any finals and the project's a piece of cake. You know, life is good. Relationships are good. It's flown along. And oftentimes, we define good based on the absence of bad in our definition of whatever bad is in our life. And so that's got to be good. And it's interesting that when we do that, that, that we're like, okay, there's no bad, so the life has to be going good. But as soon as something bad gets in our life, then things are not good. And the only place we play that in is oftentimes in our spiritual life because we are more than happy to go, if you're an athlete, you are more than happy to go through pain to get better at an athletic event. And we know that if you work out, when you work out, if you want your muscles to develop and grow, they actually have to break down first before that can happen. They actually tear before they grow. We've defined good based on the absence of bad as opposed to taking a look at what 
Sometimes it's perspective. Okay? Sometimes it's perspective. We look at something and go, hey, that's just not good. Imagine this. Imagine you wanted to do something this weekend. I know you got a cookout this weekend, but maybe you, know, you wanted to go to this cookout in order for this cookout to work. It cannot rain. And you got something you were really wanting to do with this cookout. You, Lord, please don't let it rain. Don't let it rain. I, I wanted to go this. Something's happening. I want to be there. Don't let it rain. Don't let it rain. Don't let it rain. And what happens Saturday morning? Downpour. And it rains all day long. And it rains all day Sunday. And you're in your mind, you're like, oh, this is terrible. And maybe it's kind of light, so maybe you're not going to blame God about it. But at the same time, you're frustrated with God because you let it rain when I had all these great plans going. So God, why'd you let it rain? But down the road, you got a farmer over here who hasn't rained for three weeks. And they're like, I need it to rain. Lord, please let it rain Saturday. Let it rain all day Saturday and Sunday. Please let it rain. And so when it rains, he's like, God, you are good. And he's celebrating. Over here, God's bad because it rained. Over here, God's good because it rained. Because we're looking at things from our own perspective. We're looking at things. Imagine you have a spot on your hand, right? You look at it and go, that thing is ugly. I I wish I could get rid of it. And we spend so much time looking at that spot on our hand. We're looking at it, we're looking at it, looking at it. We just spend so much time... And, and we're looking at it and instead of looking at the whole body of what we have. And, and I say that in this, is that so many times in our lives, we're looking at today, right now, what's happening in our world, what's happening in our lives. But God is an eternal God. God is a God that has existed at all times. God is not bound by time or space. So when God looks at what's happening in this world, he's not looking at September 28, 2023. He's looking at the existence of history throughout all times at the same time. So when he's making a decision about something, he's not making a decision about you and I on September 28th. He's looking at the bigger picture. And so when we're staring at this little dot, it's like we're staring at one little spot in our, our life as opposed to looking at the whole picture of our lives. And so when God is good, God is looking at what is good for all, what is good for humanity, what is good for each and every one of us, not just the here and now, but what's going to be good for us two years down the road, five years down the road, ten years down the road. And sometimes what we think is bad right now actually is good for us. And the reality is, it is always good for us because God's only desire is all good. It just from our perspective at times doesn't seem good. And we have rough times in life. I, I'm not going to deny that. I'm not going to say that somehow or another that things are always good. My mom passed away when I was nine. And I don't, I don't know how to explain what, why that was a good thing. I look back and all the things that I missed with my mom. But I also, because of my role at the middle school, have kids and parents who have come in with kids who have lost a parent because they passed away, and I can have a conversation with them because of what they've, they're going through and what I've went through. It, it's sometimes about what our perspective is of what's good and what's happening in our lives at the time. And to trust that God is faithful that he really is, he's faithful, he is looking out for your good, even if we don't always see that good. 
There's three stories I want to share from you, share with you in Scripture. One is, a, is one of my favorite stories. And it, it's not always the story all in and of itself that's my favorite. It's the response that these guys give that's my favorite. And the first one's found in Daniel chapter 3, 16 through 18. If you ever want to go back and take a look at it, you may be very familiar with this story, but Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, familiar with this story? Shadrach, Meshach, love the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You know, they're in exile, and the king says, the king says you got to bow down to me. If you don't bow down to me, I'm going I'm to burn you alive. And they refuse to bow down, so he pulls them in front. And so... King Nebuchadnezzar is the most powerful king in the world at the time. And this is where I'm going to pick up in verse 16. This is what I love. And I love it because I, I wish that I had the courage that they have to say what they said. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered him and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. You know, as a middle school principal... I get some kids who say the same thing to me. <laughs> we don't need to talk to you, Mr. Gilpin. And I'm offended when that happens, and I'm not too happy because we need to have a conversation. And they say, well, I don't have to answer to you. Well, yes, you do. And I'm sure the king was thinking the same thing, which is why he got furious. In fact, they go on. They say, if this be so, you're going to throw us in the fire our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from this burning, fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But they had no insight if that was going to happen or not. And we know that because of their next line. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. God may rescue us. He may not. But I know that God is faithful and that God is good and that God will be with us no matter what. And if you know the rest of the story, they get thrown in and nothing happens. And actually a fourth being shows up. Some people say it was Jesus. Some people say it was an angel. Don't really know. It doesn't really matter that much. But we know that God came to be there with them and to protect them. But at that time, they didn't know that for sure. They just trusted in the faithfulness of God. Here's another. Sometimes we think, I think, okay, maybe we, maybe I should just use me. That if I'm with God and I'm doing things for God, then all things are going to be good. And when I go mean good, I mean like smooth, you know, no problems. Life's going to go through the way I want it, you know. Married, have kids, they're all going to go on and be famous people in college and graduate and, you know, all this stuff, you know. And you think life is, and so we think that as long as I'm doing the right thing and I'm following God, it's all going to be good. My life is going to be good. And the second story I want to say, share with you is a story of the disciples who were with Jesus out on a boat and a storm rises. In fact, it's found in all three Gospels, but I like Mark's version, Mark 4, 35 through 41, only because of one phrase in this whole thing. But, but what it gets down to, it says, And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so the boat was already filling. But he, meaning Jesus, was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. I don't know what, why that, you don't, I don't know if you find the word cushion anywhere else in the New Testament. <laughs> I don't, but it's right here. He's on a cushion taking a nap in the middle of a storm. Water is filling the boat. And Jesus is sleeping on a cushion. 
They're with Jesus, but yet the storm still happens. Just because they are with Jesus doesn't mean that the storm isn't going to happen. So what happens? Well, and they woke him and he said, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he woke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace be still. Peace be still. He didn't, being with them didn't keep them from being part of a storm. But God gave them peace. They went to God and they got peace. Now, the storm does subside if you read the rest of that. When he said, peace be still, the storm resides. But what my point is, is that just because we're with God and doing what we need to be, walking with him doesn't mean that the storms won't arise. The, second, the third one is actually another storm on the water. And this one you may be more familiar with is Jesus walking on the water or Peter walking on the water, depending on your version of what you're, you focus on. But in Matthew 14, 22-33, the disciples are in the middle of a boat and Jesus is on land and the storm rises again. Another storm on the water. They think they're going to die again. And then all of a sudden Jesus walks, they see this being, they think it's a ghost, walking towards them. So we come to that point, and they said, it is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand, took hold of him, saying to him, O oh, you little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Jesus called him into the storm. Jesus didn't calm the sea when he got out of the boat. In fact, the storm's still raging when he is going to Jesus. Because Jesus had more to teach him. Because sometimes in our lives, some of those things that are, we perceive as not good are lessons to draw us closer to God because God's purpose is the design to have an intimate relationship with us. And he's going to do what he can to make an intimate relationship. So what happens is he doesn't calm the storm. He doesn't calm the storm until Peter and him actually get back into the boat. They didn't, after he saved them, he didn't calm it, and then they walked back to the boat. They actually didn't calm the storm until he was back in the boat. And so what I see here, when I see God's faithfulness, desire is to be with us, and sometimes we have to go through some of these bad times, even, even though God is good. He allows us to suffer some of those things and go through those things because he's desiring a relationship with each and every one of us. Not just a casual relationship, just not a friend thing, but he wants a deep, intimate relationship. Our faithfulness does not regulate God's faithfulness. Romans 3.3 3 says this. It says, if we are unfaithful, does that mean God is unfaithful? No, God remains faithful. Because God wants us. It's the whole story. We get caught up sometimes in Scripture uh, of thinking about the do's and the don'ts of Scripture. The whole story is a story of redemption. The story from the beginning to the end is a love story of redemption, of God pursuing us, desiring a relationship with us so that when we are going through those storms, that he can be there with us. 
He doesn't leave us. He's there for us. He loves us. He is faithful to the end. He doesn't guarantee an easy, smooth life. What he guarantees is that he will be there with us through it because God is good. Sometimes we have to change our perspective on what good means. And, and if I could leave one bit of nugget that if you could grasp this now in your life and take it with you is that God is good all the time. We're in a world filled with anxiety, fear, stress, and worry. Why? Because we don't trust God. We don't don't believe Him at His word that He's going to take care of us, that He is faithful. You know, I started with a little bit of a story about the sun and how in order for us to get too near the sun, we would have to have some type of special material to protect us. And if I take that illustration just a little bit further, and God is that sun, he has to do something for us to be near him. Right? Right? We can't, we, we, are, we are, are, are creatures of sin. We have sin in our lives. We are unholy. God is a holy God. God is a, is a pure, righteous, sinless being that cannot be around sin, no matter how big or little that sin is. And, and I, sometimes I wonder with that illustration how close that is that when sin tries to get near a holy God, how much it, it cannot be near that. The pure light of who God is and how sin can't be near. So what God has designed is a way to clothe us in righteousness. By sending His Son to pay for our sins, to redeem us. See, he's faithful. He, he didn't leave us out there. He says, I, 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 know, I know you're going to mess up. I know you're going to do things in the flesh, and you're going to do things that, you know, it's going to create separation. So I want to bridge that gap. I want to clothe you in righteousness so that we can be near each other. Not after we die in eternity. Yeah, that, that, heaven's out there. But here and now, right now. He wants to walk with you closely right now. He wants to have a deep, intimate relationship with you right now. And so he was faithful in making sure that happened. God is faithful. He is good to the end. And if you can remember that even when things are going tough around you, yeah, be true. Give it to God. Be honest with him. Pray about it. Just like we talked about in Psalm. Be honest. Tell him what's on your mind. Tell him the, the worries, the stresses, the concerns. Be honest because we can trust that he's going to be there. And we can give him anything. And remember, in the end, God is good and wants to be with you and so he wants to comfort you in those tough times and he wants to rejoice with you in the good times let's pray lord we thank you for that promise that you've given to us your absolute love for us and it's just hard to really to grasp to be honest um, I, I can't even really explain always the good the evil all that kind of stuff in there it's just i i, I hope that every one of us including myself, just reminded daily 
of your love for us and your faithfulness to us, that you can be trusted, that you are good, you are solid, you are a rock, you are there at all times, and that you are good. We thank you for that. We praise in Jesus' name. Amen. I officiated a wedding this past Saturday. Um, two kids, young kids that I'm really close with, love them both to death. Um, I shared with them a statistic I had heard earlier in the week from some friends that went to a marriage seminar. And um, the, the divorce rate in America is 50% right now. One out of two couples gets divorced. All right, but one of the statistics I shared with them um, that some friends had shown me and I saw in this other survey or research, when couples pray together to Jesus Christ on a consistent basis, the divorce rate was one in over 1,500, okay? And faithfulness is something we all want, but we know very little about, and we can't know about it. That's why Jesus came. And forget marriage, like just your own friendships, like relationships. None of us, if you've ever been cheated on, if you've ever had a parent just fail you miserably, it's not fun because guess what? You were created for faithfulness, and y'all need it, okay? And Jesus, the one true God, is our source for that, okay? And so thank you, Eric, for coming and sharing with us one of, you know, a characteristic you guys will only find in God, faithfulness. And so I appreciate that. To experience God's faithfulness, there's kind of different things. Um, one thing you can't have is faithfulness if you don't want a relationship with him. If you are interested in starting a relationship with Jesus Christ, if you want to start that, um, I've had several students approach me about baptism, and um, I might even meet with some tonight. But if any of you are interested in starting that relationship so you can start getting God's version of faithfulness instead of all the versions of faithfulness we're offering each other, which fail each other miserably, okay? If you want God's version of faithfulness, I would love to talk to you, okay? For those of us who already claim we have our relationship with him and we're growing in his faithfulness, there's got to be evidence, guys. There's got to be evidence. Are you, because when you start your relationship with God, his version of faithfulness starts taking over your hearts and your minds, okay? So are you faithful back to God? And this is only for the people in the room who claim to have a relationship with him. If you don't claim God, okay, hear my first thing. would love to talk to you about baptism. But if you're in here and you claim to be a follower of Christ, okay, faithfulness starts to get reciprocated, God's version of faithfulness, okay? So are we faithful to God? And one of those ways um, is just memorization. So Joe's going to come up and close us real quick, all right? He's got a, got a, a memorization tool. Um, so our faithfulness to God should be shown through our love for his word and learning what he says. So, yes. so hey, guys. I don't know if you've noticed, but do you see the, the little circle of circles on the bottom left there? So I designed that. It's, it took so long, five circles in a circle. But each color has corresponded to each attribute. So uh, yellow is compassionate, red is gracious, purple is slow to anger, and that blue is love, and then green is faithfulness. And so I took that design and I made it into a little sticker. And so we've got a small number of these, but if you want it, I mean, put it on your phone, put it somewhere. And it's just a great way to remind us all of these attributes of God. And I mean, whether or not you correspond them to the colors or not, whatever you want to do. It's just, it's a great way to remember this verse, to take it with you, put it in your pocket, um, wherever you're going. So if you uh, want one of those, they'll be out in the foyer after this. But we're going to read this verse. We've been reading it 
every week and adding an attribute as we go, and this is the last week, so we get to read the whole thing together. I'll read it first, and then we can all read through it together. So, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. So if you guys want to join me. The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. Awesome. I'll pray and the band can come up. Jesus, we thank you for this space to meet, uh, to hear about you and um, how you are gracious, how you are compassionate and slow to anger, full of love for us and faithfulness to us. Um, God, we thank you for these attributes. We thank you again for this space that we have to be able to learn more about you. Uh, thank you for Eric coming out and um, just giving us a great word about uh, your faithfulness. God, I pray that these, these students would know more about you and want to know more about you as a result of being here. So it is in your name that we pray. Amen.